we thank you, Lord, for our daily bread dose of healing today. We receive it. In fact, we receive it three times a day. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing us with divine health, divine ability, the power to become sons of God. Thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. So we are people of power. Amen. Definitely people of power. And if you don't notice it, the devil notices it, and religious people notice it. They usually be the first ones to tip you off. There's nothing different about you. But uh, it's all good because it's of God. And we just thank God for um, our abilities, our divine abilities. We thank God for blessing us and gracing us to be able to just live this life on earth without hindrance of the good things that God wants to bring to us. There's so many good things um, that he wants to bring to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Jackie, come here a sec, honey, okay? Where's Tom? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now the Lord says he has good things planned for you, daughter. Good things. Nothing bad, always good, says the Lord. And the Lord says that he's going to put a rejoicing in your spirit that you rejoice in the good that God has for you. And the Lord says, this is how you're going to receive from me, is that when you begin to pray and really meditate on the desires of your heart, the Lord says, I'll respond with a rejoicing on the inside of you that is undeniable. And I curse fear, and I curse lack, I curse wanting, I curse discouragement off of you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for rejoicing on the inside for the good things that you have for her. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the good things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, Jackie, God says that, that you get confused sometimes as to whether he wants good for you or not and he says this is going to be a sign to you that when he's heard your prayer and that you know you've touched God he's going to put that rejoicing on the inside of you and you carry that with you and that way you'll know that God is with you in these things at all times so that's something between you and him and that's how you're going to know so you won't get discouraged and you don't quit but he says he has good things for you, but he wants you to know when they're on the way. Amen? Okay. All right. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, God is good to us, and he, he doesn't like his children being in the dark about things. He doesn't want us wondering and worrying. And See, sometimes we think that's our responsibility to quit worrying. Stop that. You know, and uh, but God has a way to work it out with us that we understand what he's communicating to us. So it's not just a shot in the dark out there and you don't know if that prayer was heard. You don't know if anything's coming. You don't know if you're really waiting on anything or not. He wants us to know. 
And that's the good thing about God. He will let us know. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So today I thought we'd talk about the fact that you cannot hijack the grace of God. Amen. You cannot fall. All you thieves, hijackers, uh, miscreants, malefactors, and ne'er-do-wells, <laughs> which that's not you, but uh, sometimes we have that little thing that creeps up in us that wants to get it our way and get it fast. And some people never learn. That's why we have to teach these things. Because I think sometimes people <clears throat> live in such a place of anticipation of they don't know what. Many people just are fraught with fear all the time. They're scared God won't do this and scared. They don't really know him and don't really take enough time, I think, to know him from the word. They always want to get out and experience they don't know what. And that's where fear can come in and rob the peace that God wants us to have. You know, the peace of God really means that you're confident in your future and you're confident in his desire to do you good and not harm, that you don't have these two ideas. See, the thing of it is, when you anticipate things that are not good, there's something wrong in your understanding of who God is. Because if he's all-powerful and he's ordained only good for your life, if you're still wondering if you're going to have good things happen to you, there's something wrong in your concept of who God is. Now, see, people don't like hearing that, but that's the truth. You've got to go back. If you want to resolve these problems and get straight answers, you have face facts. Remember the servant that had a talent and hid it? What do he say about God? I know you mean. You don't mean me no good. You're unjust. You steal from people. You don't tell. You, you reap where you don't sow. And so that causes us to do what? Hide our talents. Hide our abilities. Hide our faith. Hide our desires. So you won't bring any of that before the throne of God because you don't think he's really going to bless you and help you. And there are tons of Christians who live like that every day. Know how I know? Because the fruit is there. The fruit that bears out that there's no concept of who God really is. Trusting, loving, helping, uh, forgiving. That's a big one. Because many times we'll, have, we'll make mistakes and never want to confess them. How many been like that? Now see, you were like that in the world. And some of that hangs on to you when you get in the kingdom. You don't ever want to be wrong because you don't ever want to have to correct anything. You don't ever want to humble yourself. So really, you're hiding from God. You're hoping he don't hear, he don't see the last thing you did wrong. So then when you need something, you're still hidden from him. And he's never your friend. He's never your helper. He's never your partner. Not for real. See, when we say God is, our, God is my business partner, I don't know how many times I've heard that. Well, then your giving shows you don't trust your business partner. You're stealing from your partner. Because you still don't think he's going to give you enough to live off of. You still don't think he'll give enough to bless you. It's just true. So we have to grow out of carnal mindedness. Huh? Sometimes when I feel that tight devil's tightening up on my head 
You know how he wants wants you to worry about, well, I don't have enough for this. When am I going to get this? When I find that tight devil tightening up on me, I give more. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. I recognize you. And even if it's something that I own personally, I let it go. You got me? I'm always looking for opportunities to give because I don't want the stingy devil to come and claim my life. Amen? And, and so we have to understand how to fight these things. You've got to combat them. You've got to hit back and you've got to let your faith, always allow your faith to be working for you. Don't ever let your faith be absent from your conversation, from your thinking. Uh, you know, sometimes I know I was, I was raised up in basically poverty. And I know what it is when you're, you want in your heart to do something and your mind tightens down and says, you can't do that. You barely got enough for yourself. You can't, you know what I'm saying. And so sometimes we have to fight our way out of it. You know, people will accuse you of thinking you got something and all that. See, the devil wants to keep people in poverty. So he stations demons around you continually to remind you. Amen that you, you're not supposed to have anything. So if you're not supposed to have anything, you're certainly not going to give anything because you're never going to get anything. And you got to fight that. you got to get up and give. That's the best way to show the devil you don't bow to his nonsense is get up and do something in the opposite direction to prove to him and to yourself that you're not afraid of obeying God. God is your best friend. My daddy's a giver and I'm a giver. Amen. And we're not trying to act like we got something. We do have something. We got the cattle on a thousand hills. Man, we can well afford to give away and sow into somebody else's life. Afraid of bills to come to the house. Nervous about your own mailbox. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know you made them. You went out charging everything. You was in a good mood when you was charging. Now you're paranoid about going down to the mailbox. The devil will do everything to keep us in bondage and keep us, you know, even if you never get quote unquote rich or wealthy, be that way in your heart and your mind. Live free on the inside of you. Amen. And God will teach you how to do the rest. So, so we have to always be mindful to keep a right mentality about God, a right spirit about you where God's concerned. I don't care who you fall out with. Don't ever fall out with or distance yourself from God. You got me? And keep short accounts with people, too, because God loves people just like he loves you. He wants us all to, to respect and love one another and trust one another, you know, just like we trust him. And so God then wants to give us the ability, divine ability, to accomplish everything that we need to. I mean everything. Everything that we need to accomplish on earth, God wants us to do it through his ability. So we're talking about grace, and that is God's divine ability on your life. Enablement, power, ability. Grace is a word of power. It's not a word of, and I want you to think of it as an action word from now on, not a state of being, you know, where it's a state of grace. No, that's an ability. That's God's energizing me to do something when he affords me his grace. 
you need to know that God only sanctions what he authors. And this will keep us out of trouble because if God's divine ability is not there to accomplish something that kind of lets us know that he doesn't want us doing it or doesn't want us involved in it now or is not going to pay off for us. And so God leads us and guides us through his grace. Is a divine ability that sanctions the works that we do or our activities. Grace is also divine permission. It is divine permission, not divine excuses. So God enables us to do some things under his power. But that permission is not ours to do as we will, only as he wills. And only as he wills at a specific time. In other words, God's grace does not rest on you except to do a certain activity, a certain time, and then it lifts. It's not yours to wear all the time and go rob a bank or something. Amen. It is, you know, it's just like we were talking about the anointing yesterday. If you don't please God in the way that you respond to the anointing and the way that you use it, it will lift off your life. You got me? Maybe not permanently, but God will let you know he didn't approve of certain things. And it's just a matter of learning. Teaching and learning is not, bad girl, I don't love you. Take my anointing back. Is that I don't want you to get in trouble with this power. You don't know what you're doing. You know, barely. You know, we barely can figure it out. You know what I'm saying? We, we, not, we can get up here and we act on. <laughs> but uh, we just hang it in there. People, people say things that I remember someone saying that uh, Catherine Kuhlman would pace back and forth behind the stage and before every meeting and wonder if God was going to show up like he did before with all the things people are expecting. Got me? See, the fact that she knew people were wanted it would let her know he would. But see, when it's you sitting back there wondering, it's a different story. Huh? So anybody looking on could say, well, she should know better. But you know, because the gifts of the Spirit operate as the Spirit wills. That's in the Bible. They don't open operate as you will. Amen. You know, people try to have a prophecy for everybody in the room. That's a that's a toughie. You know, I mean, seriously. I mean, and I'm not saying people can't do it, but it's it's a work because those are gifts that operate as the Spirit wills. Now, I ain't throwing no shade. If you feeling it, it's coming from you. You understand what I'm saying? But, but these are just truths that we need. I want you all to be wise, okay? You, you, nobody going out of here saying they stupid enough to listen to everything somebody. You always measure it against what's in your spirit. And then the fruit will bear it out, too. What fruit did it bring in your life? And I'm not against anybody prophesying to people and giving an altar call to prophesy to people. But I'm saying it all has to be done. There must be an unction of the Spirit, and there must be a witness in your spirit that that's coming from God. And I always discourage people from jumping up every single time there's a call for it to get another prophecy. Because many times your spirit is saturated with news, and you're not really using your faith to pull the right things from people anyway. 
so you learn these things as you go along and you get an understanding of how God wants to move and how he wants to to do things now if you feel you want to get up and hear a word from God go for it but always realize that it's as the spirit wills and you got to get peace in your spirit about these things so praise God all right so grace then we said is divine permission so we're going to look at that in the word Uh, we'll start in Genesis because much of what you see how you see the word grace used in the Old Testament is to give permission for someone to operate and someone to move in a very definite or finite manner there's no blanket grace to do anything there is is grace by faith and the release of of that uh, portion of grace into that individual's life for a specific task or a specific deed in genesis chapter 6 and verse 8 it says start in verse well i got this little bitty print i don't know we'll start in verse 6 the lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled so the lord said i'm going to wipe from the face of the earth the human race i have created and with and with them the animals birds and creatures that move along the ground for i regret that i have made them but noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the lord grace and favor are used interchangeably in the bible in many circumstances so he found the fact that he found favor that gave him permission to live so when you have grace in the eyes of god you have permission to do things that tend toward life amen you are graced to move above circumstances in this case uh, noah was graced to to for god to make an exception for all of the rules that he had made for every human being and every animal on earth grace made noah the exception to the rule same thing in your life grace makes you the exception to the rule if most christians can't get their bills paid if you serve god and he graces you to get a job that gives you a a raise of seven or eight dollars an hour amen then you are an exception to the rule the grace of god always makes exceptions to people it makes you to stand out it makes you to have what you desire it makes you to be able to conquer and do everything that's necessary to do as far as what god uh, is allowing in the earth you got me so don't be don't be uh surprised and don't be alarmed if you find out that god is getting you in position and you are accomplishing things that the average person does not do and this is something you're going to find about the grace of god throughout the bible if you if you study it and you look at it you'll find that grace uh, the divine influence of god or grace of god causes certain people to stand out above the others 
Amen. So it's an exceptional empowerment. It makes you an exception to every rule. For instance, the Bible says, by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Well, if you think about it, all the people that you pass by on your way to church that are roaming the streets, homeless, whatever it is, you stand out above those people because God has graced you with salvation. Amen. Salvation is divine empowerment, number one, to, for the new birth and to escape the fires of hell. So if you don't have anything else, you got a free pass out of here without sin uh, you know, added to your charge. All your sin is wiped away. And so that makes you an exception over all the people who don't have that. So you are empowered to live a holy life. And, and, you know, as you serve God, these things unfold to you even greater. So you receive, as the Bible says, grace for grace. Grace is multiplied to you when you operate in that discrete amount of grace that God has given you thus far. So when you start to do, once you're born again, the grace of God is coming to your life to empower you to become a son or a daughter of God. And so once you start operating, say you get in the word and you find that God doesn't want you doing certain things that you've been accustomed to doing. So he graces you to resist doing them. And if you do it consistently enough, you cease doing it all together. So another grace has been added to your life. Amen. So it multiplies as you operate in that discrete amount that he gave you to live in a certain way. That increases and it multiplies so that you can resist more things just like a son or daughter of God and live free of the devil's power in a greater measure. So this is why, you know, you'll have sometimes old people say, we grow in grace. No, you just got too old to fornicate, you liar. Oopsie, did I say that in church? But you understand the concept. They see it as, see, they see it in a retarded fashion. <laughs> they do. It's like, as you, you got to get real old before you quit doing certain stuff. Y'all got me right. That's not grace. The grace has been on you to quit doing it when you was young enough to enjoy it still. Thank you, Sister McKinney. <laughs> the one truthful person in here. But you know what I'm saying. Grace. All of you who are sitting here single and don't sleep around, you are graced to be able to do that. And you've stepped into that empowerment. Instead of being lazy and whining and talking about what you can't do. Huh? The grace is there. You just need to seek for it and step into it. Amen. So it's divine permission. God will grace you, enable you to stay out of sin all day long. Huh? Even in your mind. <laughs> That's where it starts. Amen. So God enables us to do some things under his power, but that permission is not ours. We said from Genesis 6-8, grace will make you an exception to the rule. Amen. 
just like it did for Noah. And thank God that God graced him to be able to live because that opened the door for the rest of us to live. We are all direct, we are all descendants of Noah. So in Exodus 34, I want you to turn there. Our next example. Oh, Exodus. I'm in Exodus 34 and verse 9. Moses bowed to the ground in verse 8 at once and worshiped. This was where Moses was up on the I'm outside and I'm receiving the tablets of stone. He said, Lord, if I have found favor or grace in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. So here, uh, the grace of God permits Moses to have an exceptional relationship with God. See, he said, if I have found grace in your eyes or if I have found favor in your eyes, please go with me, accompany me, be my companion, let me have fellowship with you. So then grace enables us to have fellowship with God. What that means is that God is no longer your enemy, he's your friend. You can trust him with your prayers you can trust him with the desires of your heart you can trust him with your needs and so god divinely enables moses to have regular fellowship with him and this regular fellowship allowed moses to get instruction from god see when god speaks to you and tells you something he's not bugging you or that's not every day god has made an exception Of all the people in the earth who don't have enough sense to ask him for companionship. See, Moses had understood some things about God. He understood if I don't have God with me, I'm going to fail miserably. And so, and and that's a good, that's a good enlightenment to have. You know, I don't need to do stuff on my own. I don't need to get credit for everything. I don't need to have my name plastered on everything all the time. All I need to do is have God with me and I'm cool. Amen. So grace enables us to have God with us. Now, one thing you'll notice, if you follow relationship with God throughout the Bible, you'll see that God is adding to his relationship with humanity. Every book of the Bible, they get closer to God. Every book of the Bible, they understand more about God. And that's because of God's grace. He graces them to understand these things by faith. They understand God and they believe even though they don't see him. uh, You know, this is a big undertaking. An invisible God talking to people and relating to people who live in a visible world. But yet their relationship is so real. It's productive for them. They're able to get great things accomplished in God. Why? Because of God's grace and his special favor that he affords people who meet certain standards. Now, how do we know the standards? We don't and we never will. We don't and we never will. Bless you. You can try to be as good one devil leaving as they say. No, you <laughs> I couldn't resist that. You can try <laughs> pass that girl a hanky. Uh, no, but you can try as much as you desire. Amen. To get close to 
uh, understanding God. But if you don't, if you have not found favor in his eyes, you won't get it. And so, but God does help us by giving us understanding of what his heart desires. And I believe if you go after his heart and you desire to please him, you'll tap into his grace. Amen. Because he is one thing I've found about observing people who are parents. One thing they can't resist is an obedient kid. Because they you know that kid, uh, something different about that one. They don't give me no trouble. They don't, you understand what I'm saying. And so we all seek to be obedient children, beloved children of God. Amen. So, so anyway, that's uh, Moses. So he said, if, if, if you don't go with me, he said, if I found grace enough, in other words, God, I'm leaving it up to you to say yes or no. See, when they ask for the grace of God, they leave it up to God to make the decision as to whether or not they measure up. Mm. See, now our New Testament understanding is that by grace we are saved, delivered, have our needs met by faith. So we put everything on the shoulders of faith to get accomplished for us. But then the Bible says faith comes. It's, you can't just get it. It comes. And it comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, how many of you have tried to listen to something over and over and over again and make make yourself get it on the inside of you and over and over and over again? We like to do like three hours straight and see what that accomplishes. And you do your three hours and you just as nutty as you was before you did your... Dare I, dare I get an amen there? Huh? And you get tired and say, well, let me just quit this because this ain't the answer. Just go back to living your little crazy sloppy way you've been doing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you forget you're sick and your healing's kicked in. Can't figure it out, can we? A lot of stuff we think we know we can't figure out. Huh? But faith does come by hearing. Huh? Nitty, the nutty thing about hearing is that sometimes you do and sometimes you get distracted. You can be sitting there with earphones, plugging up your ear and drowning everything out. You, or your mind will wander. I wonder what's... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pay attention to this. See, as much as we desire, what we're trying to do when we do that, we're trying to control God. See, we're trying to control the process. Huh? If I could just get in there and get this and know how this is done, I rule the world. No, you ain't, because you're going to stay awake and alert long enough to. It's God who never slumbers nor sleeps. Huh? You'd be sitting up listening in church. Who that word was good and nodded off 30 minutes of it. You didn't even know if somebody had to nudge you to. Huh? Yep. <laughs> we can hear also inside of us. See, faith sometimes comes by hearing and we don't even know we're listening. Sometimes Holy Ghost has little conversations with us on the inside of us. Huh? 
Now, I've had that happen, you know, where, you know, you just become aware of him speaking to you about things. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what, God, I think you probably talk to me a lot on the inside, and I'm not even aware. Huh? You ever come up with something to sound marvelous? Like, who said that? I didn't even know I knew that. Lot we don't know, y'all. Come on now. That's why it takes, I always say, relationship trumps doctrine every single time. You see people have relationship with God where they know when the Spirit's moving and know how God's going to do and get in that zone where they, they've been trained, expertly trained by God to do certain things. And they can count on God to do them on a consistent basis. And then you see people who are trying, trying, trying to get anointed and trying to be like somebody, trying to have power and all this and never could have relationship with God, man. If you don't have a Bible, you've got him. And he can teach you. Amen. He can teach you without the printed page. I'm not against Bibles or smuggling Bibles or reading the word because it's all good. But, you know, there's things we don't understand. Is have to take them by faith. When God says, you know, the seed is planted and it springs up, we don't know how. And that means we ain't going to know how. And you don't need to know how in order to be blessed by God. Amen? And have your needs met. So, amen, amen. But understanding is, is the thing that we want, we desire to have. So that's, that's what God's doing, giving us understanding. So that was Moses. In Judges chapter 6, I made a note of that scripture. Judges. Chapter 6. Yes, in the chapter about Gideon. Uh, In verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak in Ophrah, that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, <laughs> a little smart mouth, why has all this happened to us? Now that's an excellent question. If God is with me, why am I sick? If God is with me, why am I broke? If God is with me, why can't I move from point A to point B? He says, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? So Gideon's got some faith for miracles because he's heard the stories. See, But the problem with his faith is it's being squished down by complaining. ever been there every time you complain you push your faith out of the front door and you put the complaint up in there and the devil loves it because he don't have to get nothing for him you you don't have to get anything so he says my clan is the weakest in manasseh and i am the least in my family and the lord answered i will be with you and you will strike down all the midianites leaving none alive gideon replied if now I have found grace in your eyes. Give me a sign that you've been talking to me. 
So, <clears throat> grace allows us to get more grace. He says, if I found grace in your eyes, give me a sign. If this is you talking to me, and I know you've singled me out for this job, give me a sign so I'll know. Amen. Make me confident. Make me as confident as you sound. Now, when he tells Gideon he's going to deliver this whole nation, he got to know that God's with him. And so here we see again the grace of God singling him out for something extraordinary. Grace is not some cheap, commonplace commodity that we can say it's on everybody. Or everybody's got the same amount. Or you can get it. No, 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 no. Because you can't claim that because you don't know how people get it. You don't know what God's standards are. It's the divine ability on the heart to accomplish certain things. And we're looking and we're seeing what certain things are. Just like we see ministers who are multimillionaire type people. Well, part of it's faith, but part of it's good PR and programming. Now, they'll all tell you, you will not get to our status until you get on television. And you get a mailing list or a viewership of this kind of size. And then the people who help them make these plans will predict if you have X number million viewers every day, this percentage of them will send X number of dollars to you, some consistently, some every now and then. So, okay, let's do this. Let's offer them something and make it free for any donation. And we, You understand? This is marketing. It's called marketing. This is not only faith. This is marketing. Oh, come on, grow up, y'all. It's, you know, people, people know how to do these things. Jimmy Swagger, they always got out of debt if he got on TV and cried. Until the faith people made people feel guilty for giving crying preachers money. And they took the money from the crying preachers. Little fish eat, fish, eat up the big fish, eat up the bigger fish. Where was I? All right. <laughs> See, let me tell you what faith is. Let me tell you what faith does. Faith is, is the total irrevocable trust in God to do what he says he's going to do. And it's built by hearing the word that God sends to you and opens your ears to hear. You can't force faith into you. For stuff you want you just really can't do it you're on a program folks there are preordained things that God wants all of us to do you're given grace to do all of them in a certain order at a certain time and and then faith must come to make that be released to you you see what I'm saying they work hand in hand but they're all under God's control there's not under our control. Now, there are some things that redemption has paid for that you can get real quick. Because they're not supposed to be absent for you from your life anyway. And that is a shelter, food. What did Jesus say? The heathen look after these things. Take no account. So those are given. 
what you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, drink, what you're going to wear, and your health. Amen. So those things are given, and those are the things you see Jesus will do instantaneously when he ministered. But I'm talking about beyond that, into the realm of your personal wealth or your personal whatever relationships you build up. Those are things that God has you on a program. You're slated and scheduled to receive certain things at certain periods and certain times in your life. They are delayed in some people for the glory of God. For instance, Elizabeth being barren and somebody, the angel shaking her old man up in the, in the temple. He in there thinking, man, it's the last year I'm going to have to do this high priest thing. Oh, man, I'm getting tired. My bones kind of an angel say so you're going to have a baby. What? Huh? He was so stunned and ran his mouth so much, the angel had to shut his mouth up. He struck him dumb until the baby was born. He said, this brother get loose with this crazy unbeliever he is, you know. He probably said, oh, I'm go to somebody else. We ain't having no babies up in my house. You know how old we are? Huh? We looking for retirement, man. We going to get us a gray tent over in the, you know, the senior section of the tribe, whatever. You know what I'm saying. But God sometimes will delay certain things in your life for his glory. But pretty much they're on a faith schedule. If you stay in faith, if you stay encouraged about certain things, you let God speak to your heart about them from the word, then he will keep you in faith for these things to be released at certain times in your life. Amen. In due season. Amen. So we know there's due seasons for certain things. And and when the season is right, the grace will be there to receive it from God, not go get it on your own. You can't hijack the grace of God. You've got to stay in there where where it's given. So in Ruth chapter 2, we see the same kind of situation where somebody is lacking in something and somebody is giving something. And grace allows that person to receive it from the hand of the person who is giving or administering it. So we said we wanted Ruth chapter 2. And this is Ruth gleaning in the, uh, in the fields of Boaz, I think. I think she's finally come. Let me see which one it is because that's kind of soon in the chapter for that. What did I say? Ruth chapter 2. In verse 10. Oh, it is Boaz. Boaz in verse 8. Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed her face to the ground and asked him, Why have I found such grace or favor in your eyes being a foreigner? So the grace, here again, enables her toward life. The grace of God will always enable you toward life. And what I say when I mean when I say life are the things that are God given and there's no penalty for you having them. 
blessings without sorrow. And that's why many times we don't get them when we really feel we want them. Is because if they're released to us ahead of time, their sorrow, God won't do that to you. Now, you can go and get that yourself, but he won't do that to you. So grace enables you to come into line with the blessings of God without a penalty added to it. Amen. Without trouble coming to you. So don't go somewhere and be in debt for a car you can't afford and say, God got you that. Huh? Because mostly people will go do things and never mention God until there's some trouble with it. And then you want to tack God onto it. He ain't done that. He ain't getting you in debt and he's not getting you in trouble. Amen. So, so anyway, grace, uh, grace then allowed Ruth, a foreigner. See, she's made an exception to the rule. And I'm trying to get you out of cheapening the grace of God. Look at it as precious. Look at it as you're divinely, you know, uh, um, pointed out for it. Not something that's light and greasy and, and, you know, slipshod and and make it easy for you for no reason. God makes it easy for you because you somehow measure up in his eyes for certain things. Amen. That's why many times people are doing things in the flesh and they think they're in faith. Because they think it's just a slip, you know, quick, easy thing. But you ask people who have really prayed for things when they saw nothing out there in, in, in evidence and they'll tell you it's not a quick easy thing not everybody has the faith for a miracle amen George Miller who had the, the orphanage would, would have to feed those kids every morning and he did it by faith he did it by trusting God and asking him and waiting patiently and knowing it would show up See, and there's nothing there so that's faith. It comes out of a relationship with God. And the grace was there for him to sit down and know over and over and over and every time he did it that God would provide. See? Now, why do people have, say for instance, God's answered many prayers for you and the next time you go to pray for something, you're not sure. How many of you had that experience? We all have it if you tell the truth. Why do you think that happens to you? Because faith has to come first. And grace has to come when you exercise your faith. You just don't have it sitting up there waiting for you just grab it any times. You've got to petition God to, to make your heart understand what it is that you need, you desire, and work that through in your inner workings. And then begin to stand on what God tells you. You can't just grab and stand on the word. You know, people, they've been so disappointed that way for so long. See, you can't, there's no shortcut to relationship with God. You got to talk to him. You got to go in your words. You you can't just grab a scripture you always had and make it work for you. You think you are. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, when people got, when Jesus get tired of people, the father said, come on up here, son, we need to talk. And he'd go pray. Sometimes for days and hours, contacting the father. He couldn't live without it, you couldn't either. See, your doctrine will cause you to X God out if you're not careful. 
You got me? You start doing that, you're going to be in heap big trouble. Because most people like doctrine because they don't have relationship or not sure about relationship or don't want to invest the time in the relationship with God so that they can be assured, personally assured. Huh? There are times when I'll just, I'll get to the brink of a breakthrough and not still not certain. Now, there are times when God will give you a knowing, and that's wonderful. But there are times you can get right up to the brink of your breakthrough and still not be certain. And see, what we do sometimes is because that, that's such a challenge to our faith, we just don't want to go there no more. You know, there are people who say, listen, you don't know what it cost me to get that last miracle. I'm, I'm going to see if I can save up the money, if I can go to Shortcut, if I can buy something. Because, see, it changes you. It's supposed to change you. You're supposed to be more like the son of the living God every time you go to God for something. So God assures that we, honey, you're going to be changed. By the time you get this thing here, we keep running out thinking we're going to prosper overnight. Huh? Rich people who are sinners will tell you it don't work like that. First Samuel 1, we'll go there. 1 Sam 1. This is a story, you know the story about Hannah. It's a beautiful story. People talk about how people don't treat me right. How'd you like to be married to a man? He got another woman. She popping out babies all over the place, bragging on it, making you look bad and look stupid. And you still got to live in the same house with them, being tormented every day. Don't tell me about people doing you wrong. <laughs> Come on now. Most people who are doing us wrong as Christians, we can walk off and leave them anytime we want to. She was stuck. Oh, don't know. Y'all who are single, don't get scared. When I said stuck, I could feel you getting nervous. Stop it. When you're married, you are stuck. You ain't going nowhere. Your own words keep you there. First Samuel chapter 1. Amen. You made a vow, so you made a vow to get stuck. You thought about being stuck. Say, yeah, he ain't going nowhere. It's just going to be me and him. Right. You and him. All right. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm a second Samuel. got to get the first. Who's on first? Who's on second? First Samuel 1. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I was talking about Hannah praying before the Lord, and, and she was so grief-stricken, words didn't even come out. Her, only her mouth moved. So the priest, being a very observant man, <laughs> who would be dead in the next couple chapters. So you see he on his way out, but he's, you know, there's still enough of God left in him <laughs> to be obedient. See, you'll never know the condition of people. You be running around asking, I want, I want to go to the Copeland's because I'm going to get some real good prayer. You'll never know what condition people are in behind the scenes. Don't get all excited about 
I'm telling you, don't get excited about nobody. It's human just like you are. Eli's about to get fired and handed, don't know, and she don't care. She's going to God's representative. That's up to God to straighten this mess out in their life. It says she kept on praying to the Lord in verse 12. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Uttering uh, groanings that cannot be uttered, folks. You get there, you about to get something from God. And Eli thought she was drunk. And she and he and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul before the Lord. In other words, don't you know what prayer is? Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of the anguish, my anguish and grief. See, instead of getting the attitude and being mean to people, start praying out of your anguish and grief. You might get something. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of, of your Eli said, I don't even know what you said or what you did, but you got me straight. So far as I'm concerned, you can have what you want from God. And so she said, and she said, may your servant find grace in your eyes. And she went her way and ate something. So she was fasting, grieving, and praying. Amen. And got her petition from God because she found favor in God's eyes. Now, can we take what she did as a formula? No, but we can also, but we can understand that she poured out her soul before God. I mean, she emptied herself of everything. Emptied herself of her pride. Emptied herself of her. What did most of the women do who were barren? Got a maid to, no, no but they got the maid to have a baby. And they could take care of it, so they got a substitute. And I said, no, ain't nothing like the real thing, baby, baby. Ain't nothing. I can see y'all awake, finally. Even the sleepiest ones that woke up. Amen. So, God is interested in people who won't take substitutes. Hello. It's a promise God made. I'm holding God to it. I'm not accepting a substitute. That's how you get a miracle. Huh? That's how you get a miracle. You see all kind of people run around the body of Christ divorced, getting divorced. They say, well, have you prayed to reconcile? God said he's going to get me something better. And ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Huh? You're just accepting a substitute. In fact, that old fornicator been married four times. What you want him for? You divorce a man who's an amateur fornicator and move up to a professional. He got a string of ex-wives and they're all sitting on the front row in the church. (laughs) Not this front row. But you know how they had the mothers with the white things on. That's how they graduate. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I've been saved too long. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to stop. So her countenance was no longer sad. 
favor will cause you to change from the inside out. Huh? Once God graces you with his favor and you know that you have something, you, you change totally. And that's what God wants. He wants to change you from, from sad to glad, from, from barren to productive, amen, and fruitful. He wants to do all of those changes in his people. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. In verse, I think it's verse 9. He's talking about wisdom. Verse 3, it says, get wisdom, get understanding. I think that's verse 5. Yeah, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Now what it says when it says don't forsake wisdom. This is for people who don't like other people telling them stuff. You know, you got authority over your child and they don't listen to you. They're forsaking wisdom. And see, they'll get to a point in their life where the voice of wisdom is foreign to them. And then they don't respect the boss. They don't respect the wife. They don't respect the pastor. They dull their ears to the voice of wisdom. And so wisdom never comes to them. See, they're doomed to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. That's why the Bible admonishes you as a parent to make your children, make them understand wisdom. You've got to work at that. You just can't tell them something once and get frustrated and keep going. You have to be repetitive. Because it's their very life. You don't want your kid to grow up not respecting authority and not understanding when wisdom is coming into their ear and say, I can obey this because this is right. They won't know right from wrong. And they'll do something smart one moment and do something crazy the next. So you want children who will consistently obey wisdom. So he says, don't forsake it. She'll protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her, she will honor you. Then she will give you a garland of grace for your head. So you can be grace. Wisdom opens the door to grace in many situations. Where wisdom will give you a garland of grace to wear on your head, which means you have passed a test and you've been crowned. So there is a grace. When we said you get grace for grace, you can accumulate grace points, if you will, and then get a crown. Of wisdom on your head. Where you'll make wise. You'll know how to go inward to God. And I'm not talking about this is wisdom in your brain that you can take credit for. But you'll be wise enough to go inward and get an answer from God. And you have confidence that their answer is right. And it's effective. And it'll be proven out. And you can show people that that is what it is. 
Many times people who have wisdom will speak things and they sound stupid to everybody else. You can pretty much take that one to the bank. Because those people have been crowned because of consistently seeking wisdom, understanding wisdom. Then consistently wisdom comes to them. And when they need a special gift of it, the word of wisdom will come to them and help them to be able to understand when God is giving them instruction that works and nothing else works. So you can be crowned with grace, amen, where you can expect because you have somehow managed in God to earn it. And it's sitting on your head all the time where you can go, people can go to God and get an answer immediately. I remember when I was a new Christian, our pastor would say, well, I'm going to pray about it and i get back to you. He never did. Then I realized, I said, well, God, it's taken so long. I said, what do you do for people who really need help? And so he showed me the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible. He says, this is what I use. He said, you can ask for this anytime you want to. I said, oh, cool. So I quit asking him to pray for me. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he did as a pastor, but after a while, you know what I'm saying? They don't get your answers. You go to God yourself. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not, I'm not, oh, no shade, you know, but uh, this is, this is the way God planned it. See, the Holy Spirit lives in you to help you minute to minute. But he always has extra help for you if you get beyond what you can manage between your knowledge, your reading of the Bible. And now let me warn you about this. I wouldn't go to some friend or girlfriend before I come to my pastor because they don't have authority over your life. You understand what I'm saying? See, I can be ignorant of, of a lot of things, but if I know to go to God to get an answer, I'd come up with an answer for you. I don't have to have experience about it. See, you think your girlfriend has got all that experience because she likes to try to prophesy to you or whatever kind of crazy stuff people do nowadays. You know what I'm saying. But even James, uh, James 1, 7, if, if any sick among you call for the elders, you know, that, that scripture really is interpreted, not the minute you get sick, call your pastor. But he says, if you get sick and it's beyond your ability to work through it with your own faith. Now, how many of y'all do that? You don't feel good, you go get your word. Everybody knows, go get your tape, go get, get in your word, get in your word, get in your word. And if by the time you get to church, you ain't feeling better, then you go to. You got me? Or if God tells you, now listen, this is bad news, you better call your pastor, call somebody, get your, you understand what I'm saying. You do that. And so, but it does not, the calling for the elders of the church does not take personal responsibility for you to use your own faith for these minor ailments yourself. Amen. So if it gets beyond what you can do Monday through Friday, you know, on Saturday, you show up at the altar and it'll be taken care of. So God doesn't expect you to suffer until you can get to church and, and get, get prayer. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, there's a safeguard for you to get, get really what you need. So, um, we did Proverbs 4.9 about grace being crowned to you by wisdom. 
Wisdom approves of the way you seek wisdom and use wisdom. And she said, I'm going to give you a crown. This will be easier for you from now on. Amen. And you can walk in wisdom. So you have a grace to, to get further wisdom. Jeremiah 31. And verse 2, verse 1 says, At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find grace or favor in the wilderness. So grace will get you to survive the sword, and then once you get to the wilderness, more grace is added to you. Until you get to the place where God wants you to be. So here we have grace as a discrete spiritual force or spiritual dynamic that gets you just to one spot. See, they survived the sword, which means they weren't murdered and they escaped to the wilderness. But there they had to get more grace for the next step. It's not just, I'm going to get you a plane ticket out of here and get you over to Cancun where we got an open bank account for you and lots of traveler's checks. God don't play that. Because if he did that, we'd be in it for the bank account and the traveler's checks. So he says, I'm going to get you to square one. If you make it there, then I'll get you to square two, but you don't know what I'm expecting from you so that you can get to the next one. You got me? So grace then is a, a is the divine influence on the heart, but once it's accomplished to get you to point A, it dries up, and then you've got to seek for the next move from God. Y'all got that? So don't be shocked. If, if you're waiting for God to say you've got a kid away at college that doesn't, is short on their tuition. As you know, it's a common thing. Them school people do that. And you'll call and you say, well, I thought the bill was so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, that was an error. Huh? Your government managing things again. Error. And it's never, or seldom can I say, never is it less money than you thought. It's always more money. And God told you to send your kid to school. Well, God, I sent him and now he's short. Huh? Well, you had grace to obey to get him in there. See, if God had showed you all that money at the beginning, you'd have taken it and said, well, he needs a, a Jeep Cherokee instead of... Now, you college loan scammers and grant scammers, y'all know what I'm talking about. I have seen more iPhones and iPads on college scholarship. I'm not even scholarship loans and grants. I said, how y'all got an iPad? I'm, I'm working for God and ain't got no iPad. They let you get it in the grant money. What else you get in the grant money, huh? Taking care of households full of people on grant money. I'm, I'm going to get away from there because I get all off the Bible. How am I doing, Miss Tanya? How are... <gasps> it ain't so. It's so. 
Well, we're just getting started on this one, so we'll have to finish up. Okay, so that was Jeremiah 31. So you see how grace gets you so far? It's discreet. And then you got to figure out what to do for the next step, huh? To get them loans paid. But somehow, eventually, you get the loan paid. Why? You went back to God, right? You ever stop and think that's really what he wants from us? A little conversation, a little time, even if we ain't doing nothing but begging. Zechariah 12, Zechariah 12. And that is right next to, is that the last one in the New Testament right before Matthew or is it? No. Uh-huh. Uh, Zechariah. Uh, what did I say? 12. Cool, 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 cool. And verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. So you don't just pray. You got to have divine favor to pray. Huh? And pray. Now you can cry out. Anybody can cry out. But prayer is something that's reserved for covenant people. So he pours out the spirit of grace and supplication, which means it makes prayer easy. Grace makes prayer easy. And supplication is a spirit that helps you find the right words to express to God so that prayer can be answered. Amen. You need that. We call it the anointing. But it, it, is a, it is a grace. There's a grace in the anointing. That's, that's a given. Amen. And so you have the spirit of grace and supplication is released on Israel so that they can pray and they can believe those answers will come. John 1.14 talks about Jesus. Now we're in the New Testament understanding of grace. Talks about Jesus being full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and made us dwelling among us. We have seen his glory or his goodness or his weightiness in God, his distinction in God. It says the glory as of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. But even Jesus could do only what the Father told him to do. The Bible says he was full of grace. Which means that everything he did was done well. He wasn't lacking in anything. He never came up short. He never came up not being able unless it was something that took another person's faith. And and it was clear it was because of unbelief he couldn't do it. But as far as divine ability, divine influence... And divine favor and grace and what he carried uh, in his relationship with God, he was full. Amen. He wasn't lacking in anything. And that's why they could report he did all things well. 
He even opens blinded eyes. He gives deaf people. The the few times where he, say for instance, when he touched the blind man's eyes and he says, Are, do you see anything? And he said, I see men as trees moving. He touched them again. See, that's full of grace. Because the first endowment of grace did not accomplish the desired, did not get the desired effect. So Jesus knew he could go back to God the Father and get more. So he hit him again and he came back seeing perfectly amen and so these are the things we need to understand about god's grace once it's granted to you if it only takes you so far go back and ask where that came from it's got me mo huh sometimes it's your limited faith i think in jesus instance if i'm not certain he had to take that man outside the city to get him healed why do you think that why did Jesus have to move anybody or keep anybody away for healing to work? Because it affected people's faith. The atmosphere around you affects your faith. He's protecting your faith. It's not because he ain't got the goods. It says he was full of grace and truth. Amen. Which means that when he called the Pharisees vipers, See, if you did that in the Baptist church, they get you beat up. They pull a gun and stick it up your nose and throw you out of the church. You get the left foot of fellowship. But he pimped right back on in there anytime he felt like it. He wasn't intimidated. He just, his truth had a grace on it where they, you know, you know how somebody take a sword and, and cut you. They cut you with a knife so sharp you don't feel it. Huh? You come out bleeding. Huh? Miss Clydell told me that about me one time. She said, you know, I was sitting there enjoying the word. I walked out. I was full of blood. I said, yeah, me too. Right, me too. Huh? Right. <laughs> like butter. Huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the truth. Acts, Acts 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. That meaning, the results they got, signified that God was with them and that pretty much everything they did worked. When God's grace is upon you for certain things, it's going to work. Pretty much everything that you do works. Seldom has it happened that, that when you pray for, when I pray for sick people, I get nothing. It's seldom. Sometimes you get some relief and you know that if you go back and have them keep doing faith exercise type things, the rest of it will come if they stay with it. But, you know, people get so easily distracted sometimes. So start. I notice sometimes people aren't used to altar calls or look around and see who's looking at them. That's why Peter and John said, look on us. Don't be looking around at these people. Here's a man that's been a public spectacle all his life. 
And he says, oh, I'm a public spectacle anyway. I just guess I'll make a spectacle out of myself. So he looks at people to see who might give him money. So what Peter says, quit looking for money because I ain't got none. But what I got for you is, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Is you bring people into where they need to be. You know what you got for them. Stop looking for money. This new days is over. Can you please say no more begging? Huh? It's true. Acts 14. We're going to move right along here, gang. I just can't park right there for a minute. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You, you get people focused in on their faith. You want their faith to work. You don't want people coming in here and leaving out limping and going to say, I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, that lady, she got all them flies out there and everything like she know what he's doing. Do you know what I'm doing? Okay, so uh, Acts 14, verse 2. The Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles. This is why you get run on belief. They can spread it real easily. Poison their minds against the brethren. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. When there's trouble, you spend more time. That takes grace, folks. You don't just say, well, I ain't going nowhere. Who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Grace is what enables you to perform signs and wonders. It's not singing, we are anointed, until your tongue gets dry. Huh? It's a grace thing. Huh? Everybody is a grace thing. You got to get close to God to get it. It's a grace thing. You can't confess it in the being. It's a grace thing. Huh? You just don't grab it. And nobody can tell you exactly how long you got to be obedient or how much you got to give or how you Because it's a grace thing. See, these things are done by the will of God after the counsel of his own will. Just like you parents, you know which kids of yours will lie to you in a minute. You do. You know your kids. You think God don't know us? Huh? That's why he'll never tell you exactly what you got to do A, B, C, and D to get B. Huh? Because he know you'll get that and go run off and don't do nothing else for him. Oh, he don't tell you. So you just got to hang in there and be good no matter if you get something or not. That's what he wants. You got to hang in there and do the right thing no matter you get it. Yeah, you, that's what he wants. He wants obedience. He wants sons and daughters of God and not all these little illegitimate kids running around here. Well, they said you was my daddy because I got that dimple right there like you got. Huh? That's your only characteristic? <laughs> you got to get some old dimples before. Because <laughs> it's a grace thing. Huh? 
You just God just wants obedient kids. He don't want you because he knows how the carnal mind works. And he knows how the sinful heart works. And most of us would do it for a hot minute till we get what we want. And then we all do it as time to hijack the grace of God. To get it under our power to do it. Well, I did that, God. Oh, you tired already? Well, hang on, baby, because you're going to...